0: All right, this cold open is uh, four and a half minutes. Please hang in there, it's worth it. If you can't hang in there, if you're very impatient, you can fast forward.
1: Hi, my name is Brad Taylor and I just finished my freshman year at RHS. Um, I've been a part of District 196 schools now for 10 years and I'm gonna give you a glimpse today of what's actually going on inside these schools. Um, Despite the board's attempt to deny it, District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll take you you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, He began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me or half the kids that were in the class. You must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school, and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. So I'll never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter. But hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students, pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing all lives matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS, specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. <laughs> So is that not racism? Disregarding my question merely because of the color of my skin. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more. And it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement. But from my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. <laughs> My honors government teacher, I'm not going to say his name, but he's mentioned that Democrats care more about all people while Republicans only care about themselves. And he's also inferred to us that socialism is better than democracy. He even had a statue he had a statue of a socialist leader in his classroom. Um, I have been... I've been told by a lot of kids that they just stay silent and adjust their schoolwork to reflect an acceptable opinion to secure a good grade. I've been approached by multiple teachers who have told me in private that they just want to say that they agree with me and they support me standing up. But they can't say it in front of the class for fear of being disciplined by the administration in some way or losing their jobs. There is clearly only one way to think in this district, and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now, members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on on our students? Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And... And there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless of how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it, because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer but I will never stop believing that everybody has value, no matter their skin color or personal beliefs. And it's a shame that you're not gonna be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you.
2: Okay, people, let's begin.
0: Liftoff! Hello, everybody. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast, Episode 2. It's Friday, February 24th, 2023. I'm Andrew Marcus, and with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's culture is documentary filmmaker, media critic, Jeremy
3: Siegel, Hello, Mr. Marcus. Hello. How are you, Jeremy? Well, I feel motivated to do something after hearing that kid.
0: How about that? That was Brad Taylor uh, in a clip from 2021. So it's a couple years old. And he was speaking to... Uh, the Board of Education for RHS District 196 in Rosemount, Minnesota. And yes, what a Brad, what, what a brave kid Brad Taylor is. I think that would make him a junior now. A junior or a senior. So I wonder how he's doing.
3: Well, I hope he's not using the same curriculum that uh, we heard from one of our listeners last week was at homeschool curriculum using CRT. <laughs> right. It still sounds like right it'll be an improvement though. Thing. <laughs> right. But at uh, least he's thinking for himself.
0: I told you, I knew it, it's long, but it's, I feel, I felt like it was worth
3: it. He's such a great, uh, brave speech to make. I don't understand anybody staying in, in those kind of schools these days, but, uh, Hey, at least, uh, it's nice to see a kid stand up, and it would be nice to see more kids and parents stand up the same way against these school boards. They're rotten and
0: corrupt. Right. I, I think it's going to take the kids standing up. And it's the same way with the trans issue. It takes it takes uh, young people who have been harmed by the movement to stand up and say, yeah, you guys tricked me into this. You led me into this, and now I regret it. And there's nothing I can do. And you've ruined my life. And those are the people that are going to be heard,
3: or at least harder to. Are cancel. you talking? You're talking about the transvestite issue or the transformational revolutionary issue that you've been bringing up in the last few episodes? <laughs>
0: uh, that would be the transsexual, transvestite, trans uh, transgender. And I don't even like talking about it that way because it just validates the language of it all. But anyway,
3: it's, yeah, all- I actually heard some inside information on that, that uh, some of the architects of the entire trans gender movement had uh, gotten an agreement with um, some groups on the right, specifically uh, focus on the family. It was one of them that, had agreed to not use the term transvestite anymore, that that was a huge hurdle to them accomplishing their goal and got them to use the term transgender. Once that changed, it changed everything for their movement.
0: Hmm. Uh, We're going to have to dig into that. Although the whole trans issue is a giant distraction. I think it would be perfect in our distraction of the week segment.
4: Distraction
0: of the week. We should do the distractions of the week and get them out of the way so we're no longer distracted by them when we get into the real stories. What do you think? Let's hear it. All right. The, uh, the biggest distraction of the week, I think, is the announcement of the candidacy of Vivek Ramaswamy. That's actually the first time I've ever said his name out loud. Did I say that correctly? Have you ever heard of him?
3: I've heard of him and it sounded good.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Here, let's. He, he announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination. He's running against Donald Trump. And here is his uh, video. It's, it's very slick, Jeremy. This guy not only has money, but he has hired the right people.
5: We're in the middle of a national identity crisis faith, patriotism, and hard work have disappeared only to be replaced by new secular religions, like COVIDism, climatism, and gender ideology. We hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves, yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an American. Today, the woke left preys on that vacuum. They tell you that your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation govern who you are, what you can achieve, and what you're allowed to think. This is psychological slavery, and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today I am announcing my run for president of the United States. This isn't just a political campaign. This is a cultural movement to create a new American dream for the next generation. To me, the American dream means you believe in merit, that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. It means you believe the people who we elect to run the government are the ones who actually run the government, not a federal bureaucracy that grows like a national cancer that is now metastasizing to the private sector. It means that the best ideas win instead of getting censored. It means you don't have to choose between speaking your mind freely and putting food on the dinner table. It means you believe these ideals form the backbone of the greatest nation on earth that the rest of the world still looks up to as its example. Not the Soviet Union in the last century and not communist China in this one either. That is the new American dream. Ask yourself if you believe in these ideals. I think most of you do. I think most of you believe your neighbors do too, though you can't be sure because you don't feel free to talk about it anymore. You might disagree with each other about corporate tax rates or about whether ivermectin treats COVID, but those are details.
0: Okay, uh, you know what, I'm stopping there because we're only just over halfway through this video, and I, I think we get the point. Wow. It's very slick, and he hits every single note of the maga movement every, every single one and the reason that i'm putting him a, a, under distraction of the week is because i think this guy look he may be the real deal i know very little about him but what i've seen so far he's harvard and yale educated he yale he, yeah yale he uh let me let me pull up his In 2007, Ramaswamy graduated from Harvard College, summa cum laude, and Phi Beta Kappa with an A.B. in biology. He wrote a senior thesis on ethical questions raised by creating human-animal chimeras. Is it chimeras or chimeras? I don't know. I'm uneducated. His thesis was awarded the uh, Bowdoin Prize for Natural Sciences. Uh... Ramaswamy was awarded a postgraduate fellowship um, by the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowships of New Americans. Uh. <laughs> and um, he received a, a JD from Law Yale, uh, Yale Law School. Law Yale School. Nice. Um, yeah, so there's a lot in there that makes me a little bit cautious. And the fact that he is so perfectly scripted To hit every single MAGA note, I think he is—he might not just be the distraction of the week. He might be the distraction of the election uh, season because I think he's the shiny object. He's the shiny object that they're dangling in front of the base, and I suspect the base is going to eat it up. They're going to turn and—oh, he's— He's ethnic, and he and he's conservative, and he's saying all the right things. And look, maybe he is authentic, maybe he's the real deal. But uh, I'm I'm withholding my conclusion on that one. I'm not as excited as everybody else.
5: Well,
3: I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about it. Um, first of all, if he went to Yale, you know who else went to Yale. George Bush, George Bush, John <laughs> Kerry, Clinton, mem- Clinton members of Yale? the Skull and Bones, the Secret Society. Right. It's all good. Clinton went to Oxford, didn't he? But uh, yeah. Paul and right. Daisy Soros but Fellowship the, for New Americans. That's not, I mean, it's fine. You know who else? You know who else went to Yale? Who else? Ron De Ron
0: Oh, Ronda yeah. Santos
3: went to Yale.
0: He did, didn't he?
3: Well, these well then these two have a lot Is to this talk anoth- about. <laughs> Is this another Yale op here? It's you know it's it like feels like it. It's it's like it seems like there's something at play to take people. I don't think they're going to take many, but it's like you got to take a little bit of support. If they can peel back, peel away a little bit of support. From Trump, um, that's what they have to go with. It's the same thing with Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Why is Tim Scott going to run for president? He doesn't have a prayer of becoming the nominee. He's also from the same state as Haley. So obviously it's about taking away South Carolina from Trump. It's a strategic political play. I think this is another strategic political play. By the way, Ramaswamy is a Hindu from... A Catholic school upbringing. It's gonna be a hard sell. I don't. That doesn't matter too much to me, but it's gonna be a hard sell on the people. I think.
0: Why? I think this, have, I, this guy who has the perfect shiny object, man. He's he's gonna peel away plenty of people I don't think if he so. stays
3: in. He might peel some people away, but I don't he think he's it's gonna, gonna, he's gonna, be gonna be peel away, away all the,
0: good. The, the the Trump supporters who are tepid, who who don't have the. Uh, the, the courage to to be a Trump supporter <laughs> when everybody is ridiculing uh Trump supporters, they're looking yeah, for a way see, to, think those to to follow MAGA uh, uh, uh ideas without having to be attached to Trump.
3: Yeah, I think those people actually don't want MAGA ideas though. I think they well, that may be. I'm just saying they like would
0: be MAGA voters, Nikki and, Haley, and, yeah. Well, but this guy's gonna now take, he might appeal to the some
3: young people. He's young. This guy's right, gonna crush but he, the he's he's, Haley. he's young. Right, that's what I'm saying. This guy's got a lot.
0: Old. He has he has he checks all the boxes. He looks like he was manufactured uh, by the political party. He is establishment all the way. That I agree wins, with. He will be an establishment president.
3: I agree with that hundred percent. He will take us to war. All right, enough of that. Um, distraction but he's not going to be the nominee. He's not going to be the nominee or the president. So stop well, distracting me with that.
0: Okay, fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the I'll move on to the next distraction of the week. The next distraction of the week is even frankly this is the one that's really the biggest distraction. I think this one wins the award for distraction of the week of the week, and that is Marjorie Taylor Greene announcing that we need a national divorce. And for anyone who hasn't heard it, here she is on Charlie Kirk uh, talking a little bit about what that would look like. What does a national divorce look like in your An- in your estimation?
4: Well, a national divorce is not a civil war. It's actually separating by red states and blue states um, and making state rights and state power a lot stronger than it is right now.
0: Okay, now that is... As I'm sure you know, that is a narrative bomb being dropped. Right? She's dropping a narrative bomb on who? On the left? I don't think so. You don't think she dropped? You don't think that that's dropping a narrative bomb? I mean, listen to listen to how uh, the Young Turks, uh, Chank Uyghur and uh, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Anna. Uh, Kaspar- Kasparian. I'll get better at these names. As no, I think it is a narrative.
3: Now. I think it's a narrative bomb, but not just on the left. I think it's on you know on both sides.
0: Yeah, but on I you know on the right, you know, uh, like at first when I heard her say that, I sort of thought, okay, well, whatever. You're just you know getting clicks and headlines. It's clickbait. I didn't get excited about it, though. Now, I'm sure there, there might be some people out there who are excited by that prospect. The reaction I saw out there from most conservatives was eh, no. So I, I think it was much more intended to inflame the left. And and here's an example of uh, the inflaming on the Young Turks.
6: This is what culture war brain rot looks like. Jenk. What happened during the Civil War? What was the Civil War about?
7: Well, we kind of split up into northern states and southern states, kind of like red and blue, and then the the southern states wanted more state power.
6: Mm. So like a national divorce kind of situation. Exactly Mm. what Mm. she described. Interesting, Okay,
7: I mean, it's stunning how ignorant she is. In the red states, do they teach history at all? Do they teach civics at all? Now, look, ironically, as you guys know, if you watched yesterday, she's from a blue state. She's so
0: <laughs> so I think she has successfully scrambled their brains. He's he's attacking red states when she grew up in a blue state. <laughs> so he's actually attacking blue states. They're, they look like they're about to have an aneurysm.
3: Yeah, he had some circular logic going on there. I couldn't quite follow those points. And then MTG, red state, blue state. She's from a red, blue state, right? And then, and then MTG doubles down, and this makes then
0: they go crazy.
4: What I think would be something that some red states could propose is, well, okay, if if Democrat voters uh, choose to flee these blue states where they cannot tolerate the living conditions, they don't want their children taught these horrible things, and they really change their mind on the types of policies that they support, well, once they move to a red state, guess what? Maybe you don't get to vote for five years. You can live there, you can work there, but you don't get to bring your values that you that you basically created in the blue states you came from by voting for Democrat leaders and Democrat policies.
0: Yeah, so now uh, Anna Kas- uh, Kasparian just loses it.
6: So- okay, so if you're a Republican, And you move to California, should your voting rights be banned? I would never in a million years propose something that disgusting. But this is who they are, right? People like Marjorie Greene specifically use culture war issues to get Americans to think of each other as enemies, right? Oh, People living in Florida or Texas are my enemies. They're my enemies based on their views on culture, based on their views on what the right social fabric for this country should be. No, we're Americans, we might have disagreements, but guess what? There are a lot more agreements among Americans, regardless of their political affiliation, then people like Marjorie Greene would have you believe. This this kind of garbage really does fire me up. All we do all day long is talk about whatever manufactured culture war Republicans wanna frame the argument with, and I'm sick of it, I'm so sick of it.
0: You're not alone, Anna. I'm fascinated by this because I'm not, they're half right, They, they just don't see it coming from their own side too.
3: Yeah, I'm right. I mean, that's what I was going to say. It, Marjorie Taylor Greene here is, it sounds, and I'm not a fan of hers, but it sounds like she's trying to come up with a solution to the proposals of Democrats and Democrat governors over the last several years. You're taking her I
0: seriously mean, think about this? You're taking her at her taking her premise at face value.
3: No, but I, but, but they're they're spinning it in some way that I don't think it is of 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 her. You know that she's making this call to action, and I don't think the call to action started with her.
0: No, I but, mean, she the, but she's the she's the one who is in a, New York told. Yeah, but she's she is making it a... She's the celebrity face of it now. And that's, I think, very deliberate positioning. Why? Well, that's a good question. I think she's an op. I think that she is an op. I think that the establishment uses her, I don't know, maybe to uh, to tweak their opponents and also to... You know, throw red meat to some sections of the base, I suppose, uh, and also to, you know, and also to taint ideas. Uh, right now, the idea of and actually, this is good. The idea of a national divorce looks insane. She, you know, she's the crazy person. She's the space laser woman, which. Uh, She's only half wrong about the, the, so, you know, she, she taints any issue she's connected to. I don't know. It feels all of a sudden, it, it, it feels as though it is something that comes in coordination between her and McCarthy's office. It, 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 it's serving the establishment somehow. And she's, you and
3: I, you know. What is she even proposing though? What is, what is a national divorce? What does that mean? Does that mean. Dissolve the union into no, she Republican says, states and Democrat states.
0: I mean, what and what a ridiculous idea if that's what it is. Frankly, I don't think we the, cede an inch of ground to, to these Marxists. No, I, there should be no talk of ceding anything.
3: Well, the other thing is, is that they're what they're still going to both be led by the same people. These are people that work together now. Why are they going to work to work separately? Then, by the way, the the whole states' rights issue. This is a big one that the left wants. This is how the left is. The, you know, for ten years, the media was branding states' rights advocates from the Tea Party or the libertarian uh, segments of the uh, population. To you know, that was race. Those were the racists. That was so they could you know, implement their racist policies all over the place. Meanwhile, the left has been fighting in the state's domain since that time and getting all sorts of things accomplished. Yeah, well, and that's they play where they're fighting they play the pro abortion battles now.
0: Yeah. They play right. both sides. But you know what? So sort of the right. I mean that's that that's just common for both, I think. Uh, but hold on, don't get distracted on the distraction. Okay. Because let's talk about Marjorie Taylor no, you green distracted me. You well, distracted me. let's talk about Marjorie Taylor green for a moment because she also has, she did something else that was really the thing that made me uh, raise my, uh, raise my alarm bells for whatever is going on with her. And that is when she partnered with an old acquaintance of ours, Milo Yiannopoulos. You and I have experience with Milo uh, yeah. direct experience. And let's just say, yeah, Milo is a very flawed human being, and that is coming from a very flawed human being. He is a very flawed human being, and I, I'm I'm saying that to just be polite. And when she, he was already very well, well exposed. We're all
3: flawed human beings, right? Well. He's especially flawed and
0: so uh, and, and everybody knows but that there's he's no, especially
3: deceiving.
8: He's well, especially I think that's I think that's, what makes, him, I think
0: that's what makes him flawed, Dr. Freud, but what I'm saying is that he <laughs> he is that he is, became her unpaid intern, and this was after everybody knew that this guy had all sorts of baggage attached to him and no respectful person. Uh, would would want to associate themselves. And here is uh, here is David Parkman, the David Parkman show. He can't hide his bewilderment over MTG hiring Milo, and Frankly, I agree. He now
9: reportedly is Marjorie Taylor Greene's unpaid intern. Th- this is just bizarre. It's it's wacky. The Washington Post reporting My- Milo Yiannopoulos, far right provocateur, is a Marjorie Taylor Greene intern. Former Breitbart editor is summer intern for Marjorie Taylor Greene. He announced that he had finally been persuaded out of retirement, saying he was hired for an unpaid internship with a friend. He attached a photo of a congressional intern ID badge on top of a Louis Vuitton bag showing he's an intern in Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. He uh, her office didn't explain what his duties are, but she said, so I have an intern that was raped by a priest as a young teen was gay, has offended everyone at some point turned his life back to Jesus and church, and changed
0: his life. Great story. And by the way, that was written by Milo. I can tell you that was written by Milo. That was not oh, written by no. my, by MTG.
3: Here's what I can tell you. Hold it up, wasn't through. written by Milo. My- it, oh. was ri- it wasn't written by Milo. It was written <laughs> by somebody that Milo knows. Yes. And then Milo said he wrote it and then gave it to MG. You MG- are
0: 100% <laughs> correct. I, I apologize for having forgotten that that was the deal. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> he Milo
3: never wrote anything. anything. <laughs> <so>.
0: <laughs> he wrote angry emails. I think that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um,
3: here, hang on. Yeah, Here's I think the, that was a giveaway. This is just the end her.
9: Marjorie Taylor Greene also now has a very strange podcast and he's off camera, but he sort of seems to be like a sidekick here.
4: Tell us more. Give us give us a give it tell us about California.
2: Well, California um, has advanced a bill to become a transgender sanctuary. It was introduced oh. by Democrat Senator Scott Weiner. Why are they always called Weiner? Why are
4: uh, they always <laughs> called Weiner?
0: <laughs> Aren't they funny? Yeah, so she's just yucking it up with Milo. And yeah, she's worthless. Worthless. She's a disaster
3: and everybody should get away from her immediately. The way, I mean if the if the if her hiring Milo wasn't a big red flag for people and then the way she cozied up to McCarthy during the whole speaker race. Which is, it's one thing for people to get on board. It's one thing for her argument that she made about getting to work and getting things done, that things need to be done. But the way in which she, like, was taking selfies with him, like, they were best friends from long ago, I don't know, that, that was creepy. I mean, so is weird. she
0: an op or is she being used by an op or is it some combination of the two? She thinks she's inside of an op, but she doesn't
3: realize that she's just one of the outer layers of the op. What's the deal with this woman? I don't know. I would I would give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's both, except for those types of things. To me, it raises such a red flag that I think she has to be an op and she knows what she's doing. And it's some sort of pro operation where, you know, she's one of these people that has come out as a figurehead or a leader of the America First MAGA movement. And she, like many other people, uh, earned Donald Trump's trust. And, you know, she's hailed as a hero, even by him. And then the perfect opportunity comes to misdirect and take everybody in the wrong direction. Right. I, I I'm think pretty it, sure that's what she's. I doing. agree
0: with you. And like, take the, take the, the space lasers thing as an example, uh, which she uh, posted when she was, uh, or just before she was running or while she was running for office. And so she, she made this comment that the forest fires in California uh, were possibly being started by lasers from a satellite that were being tested to provide cheap, uh, reliable energy uh, from space beamed down to receivers on on the earth from, uh, and it was PG and E was the company that she claimed might be doing this. And, Uh, It was connected to investors uh, uh, with the Rothschilds. And so it became—the narrative became, Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks Jewish space lasers are causing fires. And the whole thing became a giant spectacle for ridicule. And frankly, I thought that that was pretty ridiculous for her to say. But, you know, I thought, well, she's not a politician. She's an average person. She'll grow. She'll learn, you know, maybe— and now i've come to believe no maybe this is intentional and perhaps what happened was now that we've seen the video i don't know if you've seen the video uh, of the lasers hitting hawaii that happened just a couple of weeks ago that are from a satellite did you see that yeah i've got a clip for it you have a clip for that oh play that
7: that's a very unusual sight captured on camera Japanese and local astronomers say a Chinese satellite was recently seen beaming down green lasers over the islands. This video captured atop the Subaru telescope on Mauna Kea, operated by the National Astronomical Observatory of Japan. Bryce
3: Moore has the story. This is a local Hawaii news network here.
9: The lasers flash for just a couple seconds, initially thought to be from a NASA altimeter satellite. The Japanese put out a correction note on Monday saying NASA scientists found a most likely candidate as the ACDL instrument by the Chinese DACI-1 AEMS
3: satellite. The Chinese DACI-1 AEMS satellite.
9: Satellite. I went to a University of Hawaii astronomer who read up on AEMS
10: instruments. It's a Chinese satellite that is measuring pollutants Among other things, it has many different instruments on it, It some kind of topographical mapping, or they're also used for measuring stuff in the Earth's atmosphere. And I think that's what it is to environmental measurement satellite.
3: Environmental measurement satellite. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I think America needs to start getting used to the
0: idea that uh, there's another bully on the block, just like us, and they're going to be surveilling us just like we surveil them. But I think that what happens so. here is that, that now, you know, when she was talking, but she made the entire discussion of space lasers insane. But in fact, there's something going on. Now, it wasn't the, 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 the lasers causing forest fires. Uh, that probably was the wackadoo attached to the reality that makes it toxic, makes the reality toxic.
3: She's a pretty good yeah, tool for that. Green, those weren't Greenpeace activists probably burning down the environment <laughs> yes.
0: to save it. <laughs> Antifa. That's exactly right.
3: Um, but let's hear the rest of this. Since I, You know, here's what I'm going to say. I think uh, MTG or Ramaswamy, distraction of the week, um, I'm going to give it. To, don't
0: forget we have uh, from our previous, from episode one, we had Roald Dahl being edited, being re-edited. That was a big distraction. And Code Pink confronting President Biden in a restaurant. That was was the other big distraction. So if you're about to award the distraction of the week, you got to keep those two in mind. So we have those two and we have, uh, we have uh, MTG and we have Vivek Ramaswamy.
3: It's Ramaswamy, Ra- anybody, Ramaswamy. That, anybody that Yeah because everybody watches The presidential campaign You're giving it to Ramaswamy a, I'm giving it to Ramaswamy
0: Oh my gosh
4: Distraction of the week
0: That's right ladies and gentlemen Distraction of the week goes to Vivek Ramaswamy <laughs> Did you pre-record
3: that? No I just did all of that on the fly how did you say this distraction week goes to Vivek Ramaswamy so fast? <laughs> Do you mean as opposed to my normal stammering? <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: you're like the micro machines guy.
0: But it goes to Vivek.
2: Distraction.
3: It's Mr. Soros. Mm. That was a distraction of last week. I don't, You know, anytime that anybody that jumps in, they're going to have so many opportunities now for the next year to let somebody jump into the presidential campaign anytime they need a distraction of the week that you're going to know that's what it is, because nobody is going to stop Trump as far as the RNC or Republican uh, nominee goes. All right, I want to go back to the now that we're done with the distraction, I want to go back to the. Chinese laser because I think there's something interesting here.
9: I also sat down with the former chief of staff of Marine Forces Pacific. Wait, We had wait. some
0: questions. Jeremy, am I? Yeah. Does that, sorry to interrupt, but that, my alone, does that not sound just like uh, the prime minister of Canada?
3: <laughs> that sounds exactly like Trudeau. That was not Trudeau. He's moonlighting. uh, No, this is just uh, their newscaster over in Hawaii here, Hawaii local news.
10: I'm not sure, this is my opinion, why the Chinese, who are probably some of the most prolific polluters on the planet, would be collecting data on pollutants on this side of the Pacific.
3: So he was initially talking to the other guy. The other guy was saying that it's he's the expert that's looked into these Chinese lasers and he was suggesting that it's some sort of weather research that they're conducting and that these aren't uh you know, it's not an unknown spy satellite that everybody knows about it and it's got a stated purpose. Of course, this guy is sort of saying, "Well, I don't know, you know, just cuz that's what they say." He's saying that's kind of, you know, hard to believe.
9: Both experts say this isn't explicitly a spy satellite. It is cataloged and known by
10: governments around the world. The U.S. has satellites that do the same thing. So in this case, despite all of the flurry, uh, well-deserved flurry about Chinese spy satellites and other devices, This one is just orbiting Earth and has a known orbit. The footage was taken January
9: 28th, before the recent incident where a Chinese balloon traversed over the mainland U.S. before being shot down off the coast of South Carolina. Which brings the question, how
10: much is the Chinese military seeing? They can shut down any communication nodes that they want if they believe that I think the public is getting too much information. So, yeah, I, I think it's more probably military than anything else. that's, that's uh, makes sense.
3: More military than anything else here. So, that sort of got lost in the sea of balloon clickbait, didn't it? That was about, right. he said, January 28th um, was when they had discovered that. That was right around the time when the balloon started flying across the country.
0: Right. Don't, don't look and at think, my satellite
3: hand. To only look over here at my balloon hand. So then I started looking around, and I found another story that is a little bit more fresh, um, also having to do with lasers. And this is a Japanese news report here.
4: Tensions are rising between the Philippines and China. After Manila said a Chinese vessel used a laser against its ship in the South China Sea. Trapansan Narula in Bangkok has the details.
3: Did you hear about that? No. Did you hear China was using a laser against the Philippines against one of their ships in the South China Sea? No, why? No, Jeremy. No. I haven't heard of that. That's not news. (laughs) <laughs> no, but we, heard about, but we heard was about a Marjorie divorce. Taylor Greene's exactly. national divorce. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, here's a little more.
6: Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. has summoned China's ambassador to express his serious concern over the alleged laser use. The Philippine Coast Guard says a Chinese Coast Guard ship aimed a military-grade laser at one of its vessels... The incident occurred on February 6th in the Philippines' exclusive economic zone near a shoal of the Spratly Islands. Marcos voiced his concern to the ambassador over the increasing frequency and intensity of actions by China, according to a statement by the presidential office. Manila also launched a formal protest. It says the act goes against an agreement reached at a recent bilateral summit to manage maritime issues through dialogue rather than by force.
3: So... China's using they're calling it Philippines president is calling it uh military, military grade lasers.
0: It's of course and, it's military. Come on. And <laughs> Again, you're granting them the
3: premise. <laughs> you've even got local, you've even got local news in Hawaii letting somebody come on and suggest a possibility that it's military grade lasers. Um I don't know if those Lasers are starting forest fires in national parks. But I have to say that my tinfoil hat started, you know, informing me of some possibilities. And I'm wondering, what are all these train derailments?
0: You think that they're being done by lasers from space,
3: Marjorie? I don't. I don't know. Jeremy Taylor Green? <laughs> I don't know, you know. It could be. Yeah, it's I don't a little know. Bit I, weird. I,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think that the derailments might be more about just the uh state of deterioration of our nation. The, yeah, and, and In fact, let's we might as well let's move on from our distraction if you're ready. Uh and I want to thank uh Chenk Wieger, by the way, for uh, giving me a fabulous new soundbite from his from his uh, uh, impassioned response to MTG.
7: That's exactly what happened during the Civil War.
0: And I plan to use that as much as <laughs> I, as much as I possibly can. Um, so, uh, moving on though, let's go to Cold War Three. As you know, I like to call it Cold War Three. The first Cold War being the one we know between uh, the United States and the Soviet Union. The second Cold War being the one we're currently experiencing in the United States. And the third Cold War that is now underway between the United States, Russia, and China. And really, really it's a Cold War between the United States and China. Russia is just a proxy at this point, I believe. Uh, But uh, you saw, you watched Putin's speech, didn't you?
3: I uh, I watched plenty of it. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I know the end of it turned into more of a Russian State of the Union address, but in the beginning, who was he talking to? Old Vlad was. He was talking to all these, you know, high uh, high up people in the Russian Federation. So, look like about a thousand people there. But it's it's like an annual address that they have and the beginning of it he really sort of lays out from the russian perspective uh what's going on with ukraine right now and it's not a surprise to hear some of the things he says you would you think he probably wouldn't go out and say yeah we started this war but um i clipped a couple things that i thought were interesting this is a translator, by the way, and this is uh, broadcast by Sky News. I don't know if it's actually Vladimir's translator or if it's somebody working in the Sky News station That because uh, there's no background audio. There's no audio from Vlad's voice here at
8: all. You just hear the translation. Before the special military operation, they were negotiating the... Uh, supply of uh, heavy military equipment and planes and uh, anti-aircraft defense systems, and they were also publicly talking about supply of nuclear weapons. Whoa! Hmm.
3: So, so he's so he's saying that before their special military operation, he calls it we call it invasion. Um. They were already, you know, that that the West, he's calling us the West or the rest of Europe, was negotiating, uh, providing all of this support to them and then even to the extent of nuclear weapons.
8: NATO and Western countries were setting their military bases on our borders and uh, biological laboratories and they were training Uh, On the future theater of military actions So I believe that
3: Well he says a lot of things That are believable In this speech I suppose that uh, Our media can chalk it up As the same kind of Talking points Donald Trump likes to use And we're all puppets For Putin here But um, There's a whole lot of it that, that Makes sense And he even uh, calls them out on what's going on culturally. And and these are some things that really ring true.
8: The elites of the West are not hiding their goals. They are, as they say, trying to inflict a strategic um, defeat on Russia. What does that mean to us? That means they want to and with Russia, they want to turn a local conflict into a phase of uh, uh, global conflict. Does that
3: make any sense?
8: It
0: does, and you know, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about this because I've developed a theory on what Ukraine is really about. It's, okay, it's dawned on me, and since I'm not particularly bright, I have to imagine this has dawned on other people too. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not dim, but there are many people out there much brighter than I.
3: So you're bright, you're bright, you're astute, and you're very observant. You're not a military expert.
0: Uh See, and if I had been a little bit brighter, I would have been able to put it that way. But thank you. That's why there's two <laughs> of us. You can say what I mean uh, in a way that's brighter. So my belief is that really the reason we're doing what we're doing in Ukraine is because we're inevitably heading towards war with China. Our establishment across the spectrum knows that we're heading towards war with China. It's inevitable. It's at least going to be a cold war, could possibly be a hot war. And in that case, the strategic move is to take Russia off the table to eliminate them as a piece in China's pocket. And it's arguable that this war in Ukraine really achieves that. It depletes Russia as as a viable component of China's action against us. And the reason that I really believe that is because what we've witnessed is an administration and NATO just doing everything it can to avoid any kind of peace negotiations, anything that would eliminate or end this conflict. They don't want that. They want the conflict. And so I'm left to ask, well, why do they want the conflict? And the only answer I can come up with is because they know this confrontation is coming. They know Russia will be China's ally and they're removing
3: them from the table. When you say removing them from the table, then it's it's sort of like because it's tying up Russia Militarily, right? In this it, conflict—it's killed a lot of their best people. It's used a lot of their
0: munitions. it has—it's depleted them. They're in a weaker position now to partner with China against us than they were before this. That's interesting. Arguably, we're weaker too, but that may be the better trade-off now. And by the way, if that's the case, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good move to make if the conflict is inevitable?
3: Well, I don't want war. I don't want to have war. I'm turning into a hippie. Well, if only it was just up to you.
0: I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I would, I would prefer a route that diffuses war altogether. I don't know how you do that with the CCP.
3: Well, I think we've had uh, different styles of leadership, and some of those styles of leadership display strength. And I think that that has been helpful at times. I think other styles of leadership seem to display no strength and even weakness or bending over to China. But then if you want to really encourage them to try to get an uh, right, you want to try to get an up, encourage them to get an upper hand on us, then yeah, act, you know, act weaker and they're going to be emboldened to take more steps like flying the spy balloons and playing around with lasers and doing all the things that they're doing. Yeah. And they're getting, Um, they're getting ready to declare war. Uh, Basically. Did you see the document that came out from China? No.
0: No. Do you have any no. more? On, do you have any more on Putin you want to talk about? Because we're going to move on to China. Yeah, you know. I
3: had a little bit. There was a yeah, there was a little bit more because he talks about
8: the culture stuff that's going on here. This is how we understand this, and this, and we will react in an appropriate way.
3: That was in response to the war games that are going on. Mm-hmm. Because
8: in this case, we're talking about the existence of our country. He says we're talking about the existence of our country they also have to take into account that it is impossible to defeat Russia on the battlefield. So they increase their information attacks and, of course, um, they are targeting our young generation and, of course, they are, they keep lying here. They are twisting historic facts. They're not... Uh, they're not... They are going against our culture, against our um, religious organizations. Look at what they've done to their own people. They're destroying family, national identity. They are uh, abusing their children. Uh, You know, even pedophilia is is, uh, announced as a normal thing.
0: (laughs) Right. It's hard to it's hard to disagree with their premise. Uh the the progressive movement in this country and in the West is making it very easy for them. Uh really? And that 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 uh that aligns very closely to what this letter I'm talking about that just came out of China. And by the way, I wanna say this clip comes to us from a listener, from a producer, from an active listener, Jeremy. This is oh. Yeah, so it's a. It, I think it's a great example of what we're of what we're talking about when we say truth. Paid, truth bait is building a community of active listeners because this was a this listener who sent us sent us a clip, and it's it. Uh, it comes from Janice in Arizona, and it's absolutely all right, Janice. It's, it's absolutely chilling. It's about a communication that came out of China, and it was communicated through their consulate here in the United States, and they sent it to every politician and every reporter uh, in of consequence in the country, and virtually nobody has reported on it. It was met with uh, just a wall of silence. So here is uh, Gonzalo Lira on Rumble to tell you a little bit about this letter.
2: In fact, it was something that came out the day before Putin's speech on February 20th, two days ago as I record this video, that I think will prove retrospectively to be one of the most important documents of what will eventually turn into the China-US war. It is laying the philosophical background and justification for China to go to war with the United States. And I want you to listen to a couple of excerpts that I'm going to read of this piece. This piece is called U.S. Hegemony and its Perils. I'm going to read you the introduction and the conclusion. Now, both parts are very brief, but it is really, like I said, the prosecution's case against the United States. And let me read you first the introduction. Since becoming the world's most powerful country after the two world wars and the Cold War, the United States has acted more boldly to interfere in the internal affairs of other countries pursue maintain and abuse hegemony advance subversion and infiltration and willfully wage wars, bringing harm to the international community. The United States has developed a hegemonic playbook to stage quote color revolutions instigate regional disputes and even directly launch wars under the guise of promoting democracy, freedom, and human rights. Clinging to the Cold War mentality, the United States has ramped up block politics and stoked conflict and confrontation. It has overstretched the concept of national security, abused export controls, and forced unilateral sanctions upon others. It has taken a selective approach to international law and rules utilizing or discarding them as it sees fit and has sought to impose rules that serve its own interests in the name of upholding a quote rules-based international order this report by presenting the relevant facts seeks to expose the u.s abuse of hegemony in the political military economic financial, technological, and cultural fields, and to draw greater international attention to the perils of the US practices to world peace and stability and the well-being of all peoples." Now that's the introduction and here I come to the conclusion. Quote, while a just cause wins its champion wide support An unjust one condemns its pursuer to be an outcast. The hegemonic domineering and bullying practices of using strength to intimidate the weak, taking from others by force and subterfuge, and playing zero-sum games are exerting grave harm. The historical trends of peace, development, cooperation, and mutual benefit are unstoppable. The United States has been overriding truth with its power and trampling justice to serve self-interest. These unilateral, egoistic, and regressive hegemonic practices have drawn growing intense criticism and opposition from the international community. Countries need to respect each other and treat each other as equals. Big countries should behave in a manner befitting their status and take the lead in pursuing a new model of state-to-state relations featuring dialogue and partnership, not confrontation or alliance. China opposes all forms of hegemonism and power politics and rejects interference in other countries' internal affairs. The United States must conduct serious soul-searching. It must critically examine what it has done Let go of its arrogance and prejudice and quit its hegemonic domineering and bullying practices. And that's the end of the document. I mean, what's that say to you?
3: It says it's the predicate for war. That's what it says to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's sort of Putin was kind of saying the same thing, um, you know, and talking about— the way in which we use these other small conflicts uh that bubble up and it's it's really these it's this corrupt government that we have that is using war to provide cover for its own actions <laughs> and uh it seems like china there is kind of laying out the same argument and I don't. Know. I th- I feel like we're in war with both of these countries already. Cold war. That's, this did. is the cold war number three. Yeah, and I feel like we're we're you know in Russia it's you know it is hot war. I mean we're f- we're funding the the physical engagement between Ukraine and them, and we were building, you know, we were making promises to provide all this support. Yeah, well, Russia did the same thing prior to, to and it Syria, happening. Though.
0: Russia did the same yeah. thing to us in Syria. So I mean, I that's I to me that's the modern Cold War. Where the the old fashioned Cold War, uh, you know, we tried to have plausible deniability. It's not us. Oh my gosh, where could this be coming from? And now both sides just our Cold War now is just yeah we're 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 funding your enemy. That's it. The only delineation right. is troops on the ground.
3: And I and guess not I don't, I don't know if we're gonna missile. even see. Yeah, I don't even know if we're gonna see troops on the ground unless we actually get invaded but i think our i think we're so weak right now and we don't want troops on the ground
0: in in europe that is not our goal our goal is just to deplete russia that's it that's i believe that's the only goal that's happening in ukraine oh and also to give cover for destroying the Nord Stream 2 pipeline i think that was also a convenient if they had done that without the ukraine war people would be much more upset. But in the context of the Ukraine war, people chalk it up to, well, that happens in war. Right. But but don't pay attention to the war that's heating up between the United States and China. Pay attention to MTG and to Roald Dahl's books being, uh, being reedited and to Code Pink confronting the president.
3: Right. Stop looking at that over there and have a national divorce to argue about amongst yourselves.
0: And thank you again to Janice in Arizona for sending that clip. That was a fantastic clip sent at the very last minute late last night. And I decided to go ahead and prep it for the show because it's it
3: was I knew it was going to tie into what you were talking about with Russia. Janice is our first producer. She is. You got a jingle for that. You got a jingle or a stinger for that
0: uh no not yet uh...
3: <laughs> that's as close as i have <laughs> that doesn't mean we're gonna pay her money <laughs> no it means she gave us value
0: because she feels ah. what we're doing gives her value yes Should which is what t- we're trying to do here are we ready for the ask are you ready to do the ask if
3: you don't have a script prepared,
0: I I don't have a script prepared, and and I, I this is in your this is one is in your court,
3: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Here is Jeremy Siegel with the ask. The ask is every listener sends Jeremy and Andrew six thousand dollars <laughs> in uh in rubles, please. 6,000 rubles. No, the ask is that what we're trying to do here, I will explain is to create a community of uh, listeners uh, and participants in the show that Andrew and I are producing that uh, is not just produced by us, but is sort of a collaborative effort and, Not even sort of, it's fully
0: a collaborative effort.
3: Yeah, and it was a, it's sort of a model, actually not sort of, it's, it is a model that was... We're sort of going to break you of that, sort of. Created by uh, the inventor of the podcast, Adam Curry, or the co-inventor of podcast itself as a method of communication. And that is that it's called the value for value model, and we... What we want to do here is, you know, we're not experts in everything, but we have a lot of experience on the street, in our filmmaking, and around the media, the people that we've worked around over the years that, you know, we think we have an interesting take on things and an ability to dissect things or or look at things in a way that isn't necessarily always a hundred percent accurate, but it is a way that is going to get you to look at things differently, to open up your mind. And, you know, you need to have your mind working also on these issues and topics of discussion. And we want participation and value for value means that, uh, like Janice, our first producer, Uh, You can contribute by sending tips or things that you think are interesting to talk about. Uh, In this case, Janice found a clip that fits in with what we were already going to talk about, which is quite helpful because what you don't necessarily see when you're listening is that it takes an extreme amount of time to try to produce the show twice a week, you know, we've been running at about two hours. We've done a bunch of test episodes prior to these first two that we're releasing. And it's about, we're running at about two hours now, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. Um, But to find the clips, to prepare the clips, to get them ready to play, to kind of think in our minds, how the discussion is going to go it's very time consuming and we just can't find everything. I hope we make time.
0: it look easy or, <laughs> or soon we'll start making it look easy. Maybe we make it look a little clunky right now, but yes, it takes yeah, a tremendous
3: but, amount of work. And I'll, and so people can participate by being producers and find us clips, find us interesting or odd Uh, news coverage or something that you think is a distraction or something that we should try to pay attention to or something that you think you want to hear our take on it, something that you thought was weird. Oh, I wonder what Jeremy and Andrew think. And you can actually use that producer credit. You can call yourself a producer of the truth bait podcast. That's real credit. And uh, once we get there, we'll, we'll, uh, you know be probably be listing people or at least give you the ability to list yourself anywhere you want as a producer of the show. We
0: will post we will po- post uh, episode entries into IMDb and producers and executive producers will have a mechanism by which you can become an ex- an executive producer. You'll be able to go into IMDb and enter those credits and those are real credits. I am a an executive producer of the No Agenda podcast, if you go on IMDb and you look me up, Andrew Marcus on IMDb, and you have to be careful. There's more than one Andrew Marcus on IMDb. I'm the one who did, hate, who produced Hating Breitbart. Uh, if you if you look me up, you'll see the episodes that I'm an executive producer on. Although I have to update it because I just executive produced yesterday's episode as well. So, uh, but those are real credits, and uh, the show credits for this show will be real as well.
3: The other way to participate. Um maybe you don't have a keen sense for the news but you like hearing the way we talk about it is uh to contribute you know financially or to contribute in some other way by sharing the episode and or the podcast itself and spreading it around to people you know helping to drum up more listeners and and people to join the community um You know what's funny about that Jeremy uh, had, there's nothing funny about I'm being dead serious. No,
0: there's, it's funny right now because we have no mechanism to accept any contributions. <laughs> we don't have a bank account yet. <laughs> so. So, it's a gr- <laughs> so it's a great time for
3: you to pretend to contribute financially <laughs> and say you did from the very beginning. Uh, By the time you you're listening to this episode,
0: of- you'll be able to find a contribute here button on our website at, uh, at truthbait.com.
3: Um, And another way to participate as well is uh, we're calling citizen sponsors, uh, people who contribute just with feedback, with episode or segment feedback, uh, something that you learned on the show that you hadn't heard before that is changing or reshaping the way that you think about some of the issues that we're confronted with in, you know, quite frankly, a narrative war. And a narrative war uh, is a political war, and a political war is a war. And we do feel like, uh, as the late Andrew Breitbart declared one time, uh, based on all of the attacks we're always under, that we are in a war. We're in a state of warfare, and we're constantly absorbing Long-range missile strikes, and it comes in the form of narrative and propaganda, and you need to be able to look at it that way. We are looking at it that way. We hope we can help you look at it that way. And if you feel that you're receiving some sort of value in what we're doing and value in listening, then we want you to participate with putting forth a value in any way that you can. Of your own,
0: you know what? Um, People
3: can't contribute
0: financially just yet, but they can do the other components where they can they can give us tips and they can give us feedback by reaching out to us via email. Now, Jeremy, this is the moment we can set up any email address we want. What email address should we have
3: for tips and feedback? Hmm. How about tips and feedback at? That's
0: long.
8: No, I don't. <laughs> oh, we could do <laughs> t- tips.
3: Tips at or f- or. Uh, contact or reach us? How about, I don't think we should call it tips. I think we should call it producers at truth bait. Yeah, but then that's like they're writing the producers instead of that. They are the producers. I feel like it means they are the producers. Well then call it tips at truth bait.
0: Well, wow, but tip sounds like you know some like something you get at the register
3: when you're working at Starbucks. Call it long-range missile narrative bombs at TruthBait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, you're the one that's going to program it, or buy, or uh, or at least reserve it because you're the TruthBait.com domain holder. Why don't we figure
0: I, it out? I have uh, let's just do this. We're gonna we're gonna do it at uh, truth at truthbait.com.
3: Oh, that's good. So people can send us truth.
0: Exactly. Reach out to us, send us, send us your suggestions, send us your feedback, send us information at Truth. At truthbait.com. Truth at truthbait.com. And that will come I'm going to write us.
3: that down. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Truth
0: at truthbait.com. And you, you know, spell- Jeremy, I, I did get some feedback.
3: Do you spell truth T R U T H or L I E S?
0: Can you? Wait, what was the first one again?
3: T R U T H. That's what I have. Oh, I. I think the, the mainstream media spells it L-I-E-S. Lies
0: bit. <laughs> Um, So I received, f- <laughs> I received some valuable feedback from a listener who wished to remain anonymous, but wanted to make sure that I
3: am aware that I stammer a lot. Anonymous, <laughs> and what? Make up a name. Make up a name. <laughs> you can't be anonymous. No, no, no. Because
0: that was what that was what the listener asked for, and that was what I granted. Let's, you know, the, you want lies bait. Uh, this is truth bait, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, apparently, I stammer a lot, and you know, if you listen back to the to the previous episode, episode number one, there was a point there where I had a complete brain operating system reset and lost my train of thought in mid-sentence uh that was yeah so i do i do have uh more improvement uh to uh, to be had in the coming episodes i hope and uh i i hope to lower my level of stammering and to not have a complete phase out shutdown of my brain operating system i sounded like this is george soros uh sounding exactly like i did is that all they... uh, um, uh, uh, Jeremy, what was I talking uh, about?
3: Uh, uh, um, um, uh, yeah, you you weren't you weren't that bad. Is that all they said?
0: Uh, that was all they said. I I do have my own feedback for myself. I could be my own uh, little producer here. <laughs> you know, I was listening back, and my voice in the intro. Uh, in episode one was like very high. Oh, welcome. Hello everybody. We have
3: liftoff. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but you had energy. We need that energy. Yes. Well, I tried to deliver energy. that
0: energy with a lower voice with something that didn't sound like somebody was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, squeezing my arm or, or something, you know, it's, uh, something that made
3: that sounded a little bit more relaxed. Here's what I'm going to say to anonymous. Hey, anonymous, thanks for the feedback Could we also have some other feedback? What do you like about the show? Or just some financial feedback? Uh, We already knew Andrew Stammers a lot.
0: (laughs) I am. That is something I'm going to work on. That and okay, And I mean, I like to say I mean a lot. I guess that is my way of uh, buying myself a little bit of time to
3: try and gather my thoughts. You know what I mean? It's hard cuz you have to think quickly, you have to be on your toes. Um, yes. but it, it it would be we know we know we have a lot of work to do with stammering, stuttering and uh just getting the show running smoothly. It's a it is a technical challenge. Um and it is hard uh sometimes to be Thinking quickly and getting a clip ready to go or just uh, we're not always talking about everything behind, you know, off air. And so a lot of times some of the stuff that we're putting forth to each other is new to us in real time. And you might hear that and we're trying to develop our thoughts as we go. But I would definitely also, in addition to some of that constructive criticism, welcome uh, some criticism or not criticism, but uh, praise. Yeah, praise. Let us I know like what, what you like. You know, um, I, th- I like but,
0: the criticism. Frankly, I, the criticism I think it's is what good. has helped us grow. I feel like every one of those criticisms we've received, not just this time, but in the in the uh, rehearsal episodes we put up. Uh, and sent around to close friends. Those criticisms were so helpful.
3: Uh, no question about it. But I do. I like. I want to know what do people like hearing That's, about. Yeah, right? you're like, right. That's true. Like we, you know, like we loved hearing about the Chinese lasers. Well, then we'll talk about Chinese lasers for the next two hours. We will give the people what they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's helpful if we, if we can hear back. You know, like. The feedback is, you know, some what's good. What, what do you, you know, why are, are you listening just because you know us or do we actually sound smart and there's something you want to hear? Well, I
0: need to ask you a question, actually, from stemming from something in the previous episode.
3: I hope it's not something embarrassing.
0: Well, no, you know, you, you, you made a joke uh and i didn't really hear it which is common you don't you, i try to listen intently to what you're saying but as i'm juggling the next clip or the next uh, page of notes sometimes i miss what you're saying and but i caught it as i was listening through to the episode and i wanted to play it for you and, and just i wanted to see what's going on here in future episodes i hope to be able to deliver the same kind of uh, breaking and accurate predictions
3: and uh, oh. if you're ever wrong, I'll play those clips. <laughs> That's not allowed. <laughs> you don't want to discredit yeah, I'll, your. You your can, I'll host. let you boast, but I'll call <laughs> you out. You know, I'll let you boast when you're right, but when you're wrong, I'm going to hammer you. <laughs> All right, excellent. That? Especially That's... if
0: you're wrong and I'm right. Just remember, you you know my my credibility or lack thereof might rub off
3: on you. Yeah. I... So. Believe me, I'm worried about it. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I don't want your credibility to rub off on me. Well, what of my credibility are you worried about, Jeremy? Well, Siegel? if you're wrong, if you're wrong about something, I feel like you're you're worried that I'm going to get us sued. No, I'm not worried about you getting a sued. You have not called anybody a crisis actor. <laughs> Jim Hoft is a
0: crisis actor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's got too many people suing him that we have to worry about him suing us.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I I just, it it was funny to me because it's an example of where you said something that I thought was actually very funny. And I totally missed it when you were saying it because I just was focused on everything else it takes to, to try and bring this show together.
3: Well... I have an, uh, I have a uh, some feedback from Anonymous. Pay closer attention. <laughs> That's good
0: feedback. All right, well, should we move on to the rest of to the rest of what we have here? All I've got now is Chicago Chicago craziness, Jeremy. So much insanity here in Chicago.
3: Yeah, you're I've escaped. I'm a refugee. I uh I have made it to Wisconsin, the land of the free er than Chicago.
0: Uh well, you know who else is escaping our Chicago police? They're all yeah. moving they're all moving to Florida. Here's a report from CBS to Chicago. What's funny is this is an investigative reporter Megan Hickey. You see if
11: you can spot the investigation. It's an effort to lure some Chicagoans mm-hmm. to Florida.
6: The state is pushing to bring Chicago police officers down south and using more than just the weather as an incentive. CBS2 investigator Megan Hickey joins us live with more on the push. And Megan, just yesterday, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, was doing some of that recruiting.
12: Right, Jim and Erica, yesterday we told you Ron DeSantis was in Elmhurst encouraging Chicago police officers to leave Illinois and come to departments in Florida. And now we're learning a growing number of Chicago cops have already taken them up on it.
7: You get a $5,000 signing bonus immediately right off the top.
0: Oh my God, did she use a secret camera to record that, that clip, the investigative reporter? <laughs> How did she do that?
12: By the end of 2022, more than 600 police officers from other states had taken advantage of Florida's relocation incentives.
7: Their morale is very low. We in Florida have an opportunity to capitalize off that.
12: Fort Lauderdale's police department alone recently added eight former Chicago cops.
9: I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the Quad Cities originally.
12: Officer Matthew Molitor, who was a Chicago police officer working in District 12 and District 19 for more than four years, told me he didn't need much convincing when he left for the St. Petersburg Police Department in March.
9: If you can't staff, then you can't put enough officers on the street, and therefore that's where your 12-hour days, your canceled days off are coming from. Yeah, morale's definitely going to suffer.
12: Officer Molitor tells me he won't be surprised if more of his fellow Chicago colleagues come join him.
9: Down here, it seems like, hey, we want you guys, and they're getting quality over quantity in Florida.
11: In addition to the $5,000 signing bonus for the Florida Heroes program, the state is also offering other perks such as $25,000 for adoption expenses and $25,000 to help relocating officers buy a new home.
0: Okay, Jeremy. Is it just me or does that news report sound like a promotional video to get police to move from Chicago to Florida? This is coming from CBS two
3: Chicago. But that yeah, kind report of sounded like an ad.
0: Absolutely. At the end that absolutely sounded like an ad. In
11: addition to the five thousand dollar signing bonus for the Florida Heroes program, the state is also offering other perks such as twenty-five thousand dollars for adoption expenses and twenty-five thousand to help. Relocating officers by a new home.
3: Which you
0: can and do our, by calling
3: this realtor. <laughs> and our newsroom will give you $30 in gas cards. the also. city of
0: Chicago will give you $25,000 to quit. There will be
3: balloons when you arrive at your new home.
0: Now, why is CBS2 making a promo segment for police to leave Chicago? We're already, we're 1,400 police short right now.
3: Well, they don't want police there. Why? I wonder if it's to damage Lightfoot. You think they're trying to get rid of her? I think some people are. Is she up for election or something? What's going on with She Lightfoot?
0: is. She is up for election. Next week. Next week? I think it's next week. You think you live there? I Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'll have to go throw away my vote sometime soon.
3: Oh, there must be a good candidate on the ballot.
0: No, there is there is socialism and social socialism light and socialism blatant.
3: Well, that's democracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, maybe that's to hurt Lightfoot, but why would they want to hurt Lightfoot? They're just tired of her?
0: Well, uh, I think she, well, she's been a disaster for the city. Uh, they just came out with crime stats, uh, wirepoints.org came out with crime stats comparing, uh, uh crime year to date to versus 2022 and crime year to date versus 2019. And the numbers are devastating. Uh, from, from 2019, you had, uh, 1172, uh, car thefts, uh, in, in, uh, uh, just you know through Feb- you know February 19th we've had 4376 of them. That's a 273 percent increase. Uh, since 2019 murder has increased 61 percent
3: from 41 to 66. Yeah, that's uh, this is all stuff that's good for the news business. Oh ho, ho, ho. That might be right.
0: Although although maybe they're
3: trying to get rid of life because they want somebody weaker on crime. These, I guess, that's possible. (laughs) Sort of. They,
0: they, but these, these guys, they, uh, you know, they rely on uh, off-duty, off-duty police for most of their security, so they need some police around. Thirty-two
3: people shot and killed this month. In the, Chicago, and according the, to Hey Jackass.
0: The fourth precinct, which is the uh the, the most struggling precinct in the entire city, shootings up a hundred and thirty percent this year. Hundred and thirty percent. It wasn't a low number last year.
3: Well one thing I can tell you is I don't miss living there.
0: Uh yeah, I I I need to get out. And the the city is absolutely lawless do you know about these drifting takeovers drifting takeovers yeah so we're going to get rid of police while uh people are taking over intersections and using their high powered vehicles to do what's called drifting you know i don't know if you've seen any of those uh, fast and furious movies but drifting is something a car can do i don't exactly know how i've never drifted
3: but I've seen the movie. I've seen one of those, at least one of those movies.
0: Oh yeah, so we're cutting for we're cutting we're cutting police we're encouraging police to move to Florida while this is going on in Chicago.
7: For years we've reported about car meetups and intersection takeovers around Chicago, some leading to serious injuries and even deaths. New video this weekend is another example of the danger associated with these stunts.
6: Despite efforts to crack down, they keep causing these problems. Our Charlie DeMar is live in Pilsen tonight with more. Charlie.
0: And you're right they do kind of have a smile on their face as
3: they're reporting right this. they like, sound this is really like news. hopped up they're like this is really deadly and dangerous stuff going on let's get you're right, right to let's it. let's get right to it
11: video from this car stunt from one of the latest takeovers over the weekend begins with someone hanging out of the passenger window, and we are stopping the video before it shows her violently thrown to the pavement and run over by the car. Now we spoke to somebody who was at the event over the weekend. He asked us to keep his name anonymous, but he says that and by
0: the way, that's not the same anonymous who gave us uh, t- tips from her, her feedback from the last episode.
11: That woman who you saw falling out of the car and run over by that same car performing the stunt that she survived but was injured. We checked in with Chicago police. They say they were, they were called to the intersection here, but no police report was generated, so they had no documentation or information about the incident.
0: How about that? This woman is violently thrown from a vehicle. The vehicle runs her over She's clearly injured, but
3: there's no police report. Well, they probably don't need it. Don't they have a camera up in the middle of the intersection?
0: No, all the footage came from uh, uh, participants uh, streaming on social media.
3: Well, then we need more cameras.
0: Well, make things safer. They've got, They hold on, they're passing laws, hang in there.
11: Last year, the Chicago City Council passed an ordinance allowing police to impound cars involved in illegal street racing and car stunts known as drifting, but the takeovers haven't slowed down. State Rep. LaShawn Ford introduced legislation that would charge not only those participating, but also people who attend car takeovers with felony mob action.
8: And
0: how do you think they're going to do that, Jeremy? Uh, more cameras and tracing your cell phone data, tracking you. So, really, what I think this is about, and maybe this is what this is why they're getting rid of the police because they need the chaos, they need the crime, so that people demand the freedom stripping measures that they will institute to keep us all safe. Ah, they're gonna call it a smart city. A smart city. That's right. Here, let me play one last clip just to show you how how lawless this is they have fireworks at these events and then you hear the police come they just scurry to their cars and they move on to the next intersection oh it's the po and on to the next intersection it's unbelievable and it's all on social media And it's not just Chicago, it's happening everywhere. I think it was Austin. Somebody was set on fire a couple nights ago.
3: Well, the more, I think you're right. I think the more lawlessness that is occurring in these major metropolises and even smaller towns around the country will lead to more ease to implement measures of Control, under the guise of safety and restoring the public peace. And oh, so yeah, the cameras will come in. We'll need to, especially if they can't, you know, if they start not catching the culprits, which is kind of what's going on with all the murders there in Chicago. I mean, how many, how many are actually ever solved? How many arrests are actually made? So it's like a you have a really good reason to cry for more surveillance right more tracking demand it right and then with traffic safety that is being implemented in smart cities and smart city technology which is coming in under the uh agenda 2030 and the world economic forum i have
0: that here in chicago too jeremy and it yeah. seems like it seems like the more that they lose control of everything else, whether that's intentional or not, the more that they clamp down on law abiding citizens so that maybe so they don't get the idea that these people are not in control. So, yes, it's, it's, it's like petty tyranny. The, the, the more violent everything else gets, the less murder that they can prevent, the more they will make sure that you are taking a traffic calming, protected left turn. Because that's gonna that's gonna save lives,
3: right? So they direct which way the cars can go. They put more controls on, and it's all in the name of safety and efficiency. And they're gonna have traffic lights talking to each other. You know, let's be great if they had traffic lights that talked to each other and said, "Hey, traffic light down the block, there's a drifting party over here at this traffic light.
0: Reroute and the traffic."
3: They, right? They could. not they reroute them over to the county jail?
0: Uh, chicago wants to make left turns safer by expanding use of traffic calming speed bumps and bollards (laughs) oh they're gonna put speed bumps in the middle of the road the idea is to force slower 90 degree angle turns and prevent drivers from making faster turns at a smaller angle that cut across oncoming traffic lanes the ultimate goal is to better protect pedestrians in the crosswalk who often end up in driver's blind spots on those left turns don't they just ban cars? Oh, here, so here's a here's a Chicagoan here's a Chicagoan. <laughs> but reacting. That's what they're gonna do. <laughs> the Chicagoan reacting. So here's somebody who says those things need to seriously damage a car to have any effect on driver behavior. So they they don't want the plastic bollards. They want uh, steel bollards that oh, just yeah. destroy your car if you end up in the wrong spot. Uh, The traffic calming is just another component of the city's Vision Zero safety. By the way, what a great name for a program, Vision Zero. (laughs) It was
3: Vision 2050 when I lived there. Well, Vision like Zero is just,
0: is just about preventing traffic accidents. They are not accidents. They don't call them accidents. They say there's no such thing as an accident. It is uh, traffic fatalities and injuries. They're, they are insisting that they can get them to zero. And Jeremy, this is another nefarious thing that they do. They take an issue, a problem. You're never going to eliminate these things entirely. It's We live together in a close environment. Accidents happen. People get hurt. It's part of the trade-off of living this way. But they take this thing and they use it to create a zero tolerance policy and clamp down in the city. Basically, they use
3: this uh, uh, issue of trying to save lives to basically just rip out everybody's freedom. Vision Zero Network, I found. What is Vision Zero? Vision Zero is a strategy to eliminate all traffic fatalities and severe injuries while increasing safe, healthy, and Equitable mobility for all. Equitable mobility. First implemented in Sweden in the 1990s, Vision Zero has proved successful across Europe, and now it's gaining momentum in major American cities. Oh, yeah, let's go be more like Sweden. Well,
0: we are. And they're dumping money into it. That's why every city is doing this. I've seen this across a bunch of cities where they're restricting traffic, and it's because they're basically being paid. The construction
3: grants... Have it written in. Vision Zero is not a slogan, not a tagline, not even just a program. It's a fundamentally different way to approach traffic safety, which means we will control every step you take and which direction you take it in.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, steps? meanwhile, the kids can't read or write. Here's this from Fox and Friends. Uh, Democrat Illinois State Senator Willie Preston uh, talking about a disastrous report that came out uh, about uh, student proficiency in Chicago and Illinois. In Chicago, Jeremy, wait till you hear this. In 55 schools in Chicago, 55 public schools in the city of Chicago, there's zero proficiency in math or reading at grade level. Not one student. Check this out. A stunning report from the Illinois
7: Board of Education showing across 55 Chicago schools, zero students, zero, are proficient in math or reading. But despite the numbers, the board is still rating some of these schools as commendable. Willie Preston is an Illinois state senator and father of six in Chicago. Willie, thank you for getting up early. This is shocking. This should alarm everyone in the country who has a kid in school.
13: Yes, thanks for having me. I, I, I totally agree. I believe this is something that is a byproduct of some of our policies that we're taking during COVID.
0: Ah, it's because of the COVID shutdowns that zero kids in 55 schools can read or do math. Uh, and it's not just COVID, Jeremy. You know, who, guess who, else is, who else's fault do you think this is? Brasha. <laughs> worse.
7: Let us show our viewers this fiscal year, $9.4 billion has been allocated to Chicago's public school budget by the state. Add to that on top, another $1.8 billion being given to the Chicago schools by the federal government. Willie, that's more than $10 billion. And you've got zero proficient kids in 55 Chicago schools. Why did that happen?
13: Well, what I can tell you is, um, one, Government isn't the answer for all things. I think that we have to re-engage parents, have parents actively taking a role inside the schools when they can be. So we have to have parents that are actually able to get their children to school every day, on time, inside of a classroom, um, fed with a lunch, um, so the kids are ready to, to learn every day.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, who had parents at fault for Chicago not being able to educate a single student in 55 schools?
3: How many billion dollars are they taking? Ten billion dollars. Well, they should get a hundred billion.
0: Right. Why Why should they only be per, per, uh, uh, lack uh, proficiency in 55 schools? They could get all of them.
3: I wonder what the proficiency ratings are in Tennessee because they're they're actually trying to refuse their federal education money. And well, uh you know, this has nothing to do with money. That's kind of interesting.
0: Oh, and and this is my favorite thing from this news report. Uh I think that's what Griff Jenkins from from Fox News were he, he
3: finishes with this.
0: How would you like to be the guest with this?
7: I only got 10 seconds. Question is, can it be turned around?
0: Yeah, I only have 10 seconds. Cure cancer. Go. <laughs> so here's in 10 seconds. Here's what he can do.
13: Absolutely. It, it can be turned around if we, again, reappropriate dollars to the classrooms the right way. Make certain that every teacher has uh, a teacher's aid, for instance. We can reappropriate it if we start that. Ensure that we have children and and yep. this, that have parents that are able to actually have a, a stable home and yep. not just have kids running around from place to place and not knowing where the next meal is coming from.
0: So, COVID, teachers' aides, and parents not getting their kids to school. <laughs> who was who, who was that guy that was
3: that he was interviewing?
0: Willie Preston, that is the Democrat
3: Illinois State Senator. Okay. He, he wasn't quite using correct language a couple times in his commentary, but I'm glad he's, he's thinking about the kids. Oh, well,
0: let me tell you, he's not the only state senator having a problem with his language. Uh, well, so 55, 55 schools with zero proficiency, uh, the, the state assembly is on it. This is from WAND in Springfield. So a new Young people in the state start to learn about American history
7: during elementary school and get more in-depth when they get into high school.
6: Many of their teachers study history at Illinois universities, but state lawmakers want to ensure every college is keeping a standard of teaching history from all American perspectives.
7: WAD 's reporter Mike Melichich has the latest for us from Springfield.
0: Most universities have spent the past decade marketing themselves as places for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Most universities, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing when I was listening to this report. <laughs> yeah, most universities. Uh, I think it might be it might be his first report universities have spent the past decade marketing themselves as places for diversity equity and inclusion
13: but that may not always be the case for history curriculum if you break down the word history is his story right?
0: now that's a illinois uh state senator uh, the report doesn't list who it is though so i don't have his name
13: if you break down the word history is his story
0: that's an elected official okay say and i did it again okay i am to break myself of that that's an elected official okay who is saying that the word history breaks down to his story while they're discussing educating future teachers.
13: Right. And a lot of times um, his story changes throughout our institutions in the great state of Illinois.
3: Huh. I've never heard that point of view before. When I think of his story, that's something we hear about around church often, that history breaks down to his story, and it's talking about the Bible being God's story. I don't think that that is what he means. No, because he's saying it changes, and God's story doesn't change. They're
0: they're talking about instituting, injecting, or reinforcing, because it's already injected, reinforcing the... Teachers in uh, that are being educated to be teachers that are going for certification, reinforcing CRT at their level if they can't get it into the high schools in the curriculum directly. That's the long and the short of what they're doing. But meanwhile, the kids can't read. So it doesn't matter what the curriculum is. Teach them whatever you want. They can't read.
3: Well, I think that's the point. If you have everybody not able to read and not performing where they are, you don't need to have accurate history lessons, and you can pump CRT Marxism into their brain, and they actually—they're—it kind of doesn't matter if they can wa- if they watch it in Proud Family, they'll learn the same lessons.
0: <laughs> right.
3: Exactly. They don't need to go to school. Maybe they should pump ten billion dollars into new cartoons, and they could teach that way. Except then they wouldn't have the teachers to pay.
0: I think that uh soon we will have teach GP, GPT. What's GPT? The chat GPT? What's that? The chat bot. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about that in another episode. Uh so for the his story. Uh I reached out to one of our listeners. We have a producer oh. named uh English Major Mike. And I reached out to English Major Mike. I called English Major Mike to ask him about this whole his story thing. Maybe there is some truth behind it.
3: It's going to answer. Hello, English Major Mike. Well, well, hello,
0: hi. How are you doing, English major Mike? I need some help that only an English major can give me. Uh, if you break down the word history, is it his story? Is that is that what history? Is that the root of history? Is that where it comes from?
10: If the state senator is is proposing an etymology that it's a compound indicating his story as opposed to her story or their story, that would be a an incorrect etymology would you like would you like the breakdown of uh because i've heard this before i've encountered this before it's um it's uh yeah, where does, it's, he, have it's, it, where it's does not, he have it's not it wrong? an uncommon misunderstanding
0: i i'm a little i'm a little concerned you're you're claiming that he's incorrect how can you claim to know that he's wrong what's your expertise sir
10: um i i don't know how much of an expert i am i am a technically speaking, a master of English. And so there are some aspects of English which I have mastered and been degreed. Oh, I'm sorry. um,
0: I'm sorry. I called you English major, Mike. You're English master, Mike. English master, Mike, I suppose. English master, Mike, please tell me uh, what is the actual derivation, the etymology of history and give it to me in 10 seconds. Go. Go.
10: Oh, in 10 seconds. Goodness. Uh, well, ultimately, uh, I have a show get we're going to have to you, we're going to have to go back to, uh, to, uh, to the Greek, um, and then to the Latin, uh, five seconds. There's, there's just, there's too, there's too much to unpack here. It's a heck of a word. It, it, it curiously the word story and history are very closely related story being derivative, but, um, Even in the English language, uh, the differentiation between story as a narrative tale and a story and history as a authoritative narrative tale of past of events, that differentiation didn't even occur until, let's say, uh,
0: I want to get this down. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Want me to keep on
10: talking? Yeah,
0: I'm right. I'm right. I'm just I'm typing while you're going.
10: Okay, Uh, Late 15th century to early 16th century. Uh, Interestingly enough, in uh, some uh, Romance languages today, which is to say languages uh, that have developed uh, from the Latin, uh, to this day do not differentiate. For example, in French. Pay no uh, attention. I'm just
0: going to translate this to Morse code while you're going. Okay. Uh,
10: In uh, French, the word histoire can mean uh, either story uh, or history.
0: Suffice to say, the, the Illinois senator was wrong. He, uh, needs a little more education on the subject.
10: Well, any education would actually be helpful. The, yeah, the etymology, which the Senator proposes is, uh, is fallacious.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. English major English, sorry, English master, Mike. And thank oh, you very welcome. much for being a producer of the truth bait podcast.
10: Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, I appreciate your uh, considering uh, my opinion worthwhile at all.
0: Oh, listen, if it was up to me, if we had to go to my opinion on something English language related, that would be a serious, serious problem. I don't have an informed opinion on the the English language or grammar things like that. Uh, I need an expert. That's why we have producers like yourself so that we can call upon your expertise and people don't have to rely on our lack of expertise
10: well technically speaking it would be if it were up to me that's the subjunctive mood which is invoked when you pose a hypothetical
0: and that ladies and gentlemen is why we have english master mike thank you english master mike
10: my pleasure uh thank you
0: so much i'm gonna hang up on him
3: I don't yeah. think we can call him English Master, Mike, because Master is a has a a slave master connotation to it. English Primary, Mike. I think it English. It has to be English Major because Ma- <coughs> Master. We're gonna get in trouble for Matt saying Master. <laughs> you can't call him, especially because the you were you had a Black State Senator on, and now this is his English Master.
0: It is uh, so. You want to you want to call him an English primary,
3: English major. Major was fine. No, but he's a, he has a master's degree. What are you going to call his degree? Call it a major's degree. We're going to change. We should change that too. We should write to all of the colleges. All right, we'll change it to a major. Where degree. did you, you find that? Where did you find that guy?
0: Uh. I, uh, he was one of the poor people that I was subjecting to our rehearsal episodes and he was giving us feedback all along. So I decided to turn him into an official producer in our episode two.
3: That was great.
0: I'm glad you liked that.
3: Yeah. He could probably break down all of our incorrect grammar.
0: He did it to me right there on the spot. (laughs) I thought that was fabulous.
3: Line him up with uh anonymous when the anonymous tells you about your stammering, that's right. He could come in and tell you about your incorrect grammar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could use all that help all the time.
3: Oh, thank you, master major or English major, master Mike.
0: Yes, thank you very much, producer. English major, Mike. So I am uh, trying to pull something up here, and I am not able to do it, and I don't know why. You have to fill. Go ahead and fill. Talk about well, something.
3: I heard your dog. How's you, your dog? You heard the dog. I did Somebody hear the dog. Must be here again. That happened at the end of the last episode. You know what else happened at the end of the last episode? What's that? Oh, yes, that's you remember right. They're when I looked down, I looked down error. and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? For people that don't know about what excellent filmmakers we are and uh, producers we are, because this has never happened before, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's like the worst thing that could ever happen. You're rolling your camera. You're following something. You're getting some amazing interview. Person says something amazing or totally, like, you just know it's video gold. It's perfect. And then you go to stop recording and you hit the record button and it starts recording. That is the, that is so painful. Yeah. You're like, ugh. I wasn't recording that. Are you kidding me? And, you, and in that moment, your heart sinks and you realize you didn't get it. You didn't hit record. Did you hit record on this broadcast? I did. I checked. I see it. I'm recording everywhere. But last week, as soon as we stopped recording, or as soon as we stopped Rolling. I went to hit the record button to turn it off. And I saw it wasn't red. It was green. <laughs> you were scared there for a second that you didn't record anything. My heart sunk. My heart sunk. I'm like, are you kidding me? We just rolled for two hours. A two hour podcast it was longer than two hours. It was episode one It was a lot, little longer. It was like two hours and 20 minutes. And I'm like, what did I say to you? You uh, you blasphemed,
0: <laughs> and, and that a very gentle blasphemy it wasn't. A, well, I it was, wasn't. A very I don't know if it one. was.
3: Bla- I was. I think I if 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 I used the Lord's name there, I used it because I was really needing. Him oh, at it that was moment. not in vain. <laughs> it, it was. It was
0: absolutely in asking for help. There's yeah. no question. You were calling out for help.
3: Yeah, I was uh, in the moment. There, only he could have helped me in that moment, that's for sure, <laughs> that I look down and I'm like, we just recorded this whole episode and I didn't record any of it.
0: And for people who, uh, just to let you know, the way that we do this is I have a roadcaster in my studio, Jeremy has a roadcaster in his studio, we both record on our roadcasters, and then we marry the audio tracks together in what apparently is called double ending, and,
3: right. uh, so these are our mixers that we each record our own audio into and then mix them later so that that's how it sounds like we're in the same room. If that's what it sounds like to you.
0: And, uh, and, and
3: that was when, when
0: he ran out, when Jeremy ran out of memory on his card, on his roadcaster, it shut off. Now, thankfully you know, right. I've, I've been I, on cameras where, where, when it shuts down like that, where you lose the memory or you lose battery, it dumps the entire recording and uh, roadcaster, you got to give them credit for not dumping the recording when it ran out of card.
3: No, I thought I missed the entire episode. I thought I missed the entire two hours and 20 minutes, which didn't make any sense because I know I hit the button, but yeah, then I checked back and it actually just my memory card after doing 12 test recordings had filled up and only lost about the last 10 minutes of that show. So uh, guess what? My Lord legitimately did hear me there. And we needed uh, we needed the kick in the pants because now we are also
0: recording simultaneously on a program called Hindenburg uh, on our computers. And therefore, if we ever run out of memory, if anything like that ever happens again, we have a backup recording and you won't be forced to listen to uh, what, when, it, when you lost your uh, recording and we, I synced up the the scratch track on my side, your audio changes. People should go back and listen to the very end of episode one where you'll hear uh, where his audio sounds. All of a sudden it sounds like it changes from a beautiful rich recording to he sounds like he's on the phone. Cause that was right. That was the line. Right. Well, Jeremy, I found what I was looking for and it was this. And that music means we've come to the end of episode two of the Truth Bait Podcast. And I don't, you know what, I don't think that we said enough that this podcast airs on Tuesdays and Fridays, every Tuesday and every Friday. To the best of our ability. Get your fix of the Truth Bait Podcast.
3: I'm wondering, since you start the podcast with a liftoff, maybe this is our landing music. It is a nice, soft landing. It's a mellow exit. You could say we have landed, everybody. You've all for a ride. You've all been baited. You've gone for a ride in our giant Chinese space balloon spy craft, (laughs) shooting
0: lasers down onto Hawaii, blowing up railroads. Oh, we didn't even talk about the railroad story today. Oh, I almost want to play it for you because the most interesting thing happened in it. <laughs> should we, should we, should we, should we halt the well, ending? <laughs> we are, we already
3: landed. We already landed. No, no, no. I'm going to bring this back because it has our show title in it. <laughs> now we have to have liftoff again. Have like, it's like a, we had an emergency landing.
0: <laughs> so in. I don't know if you heard about this story. This is absolutely crazy. There was there was another train wreck.
3: Yes. Nebraska. There was,
0: in Nebraska, uh, it was a coal train. Uh, no, excuse me. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, there was the train. But that's not the story. I wanted. To, the, the story. Texas. No, Tennessee, South Carolina, Tennessee, the, the one Tennessee. in Tennessee. Yeah, oh, they're happening they're are, everywhere. They are happening everywhere. This was not a train derailment, but I believe that this might be you could file this one under suspicious act. This is out of yeah, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, filed by ABC 6 News, uh, Molly O'Brien
4: say there was an emergency at the Y-12 National Security Complex this morning around 9 a.m. and we're told it was a fire involving uranium. Right now there's no off-site impact and officials also say no injuries were reported and we also just learned that all employees have been accounted for.
0: So it's all good news is accounted for. And now we go into the field where I swear they have brought in the news intern Uh, on her first day to file this report.
4: We want to go out live to WATE 6 on your side, reporter Molly O'Brien. She's out in Oak Ridge right now. Molly, what can you tell us? Yeah, Lexi, like you said,
12: good news. There is no threat to the public. But what I can tell you is crews responded to a fire involving uranium in building 9212, which is actually on the west side of the complex when they crews were piloted. Excuse me, workers were eventually evacuated. There were a couple hundred workers and they put a shelter in place. Now, what I can tell you is all employees have been accounted for. No injuries were reported at this time. And like I said, that fire involved Ukrainian. The protocols to put out in fire.
0: That fire involved Ukrainium. Wow. <laughs> Ukrainium. She's got Ukraine on the brain.
3: That is... Ukraine on the brain. Do they actually make uranium in Ukraine for nuclear? This is uranium button? that they're planning on sending to Ukraine. Well, we've been shipping it around the world for decades, so that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh but this wow. report's incredible. It's just totally
0: self-selling so so it. I mean
3: Yeah. We're nothing to worry about here. Uranium, I mean, she starts uranium, uranium good fire, news. every good news, everyone's safe. Uh, we, there is a shelter in place order. Isn't that convenient? Shelter in place. Everybody learned shelter in place for two years. So now all we have to do is say shelter in place and everybody will know how to respond.
0: I guess there's no mask you can use for uranium
3: fire. Yeah. Do they have a uranium mask?
12: (laughs) Uranium. The protocols to put out in fire involving uranium is different at this time or is different right now.
0: I mean, she's like Soros. Is she there? Is she right there? She's at the, yeah, she's outside the facility.
3: She wasn't afraid of getting uranium exposure. Apparently, you're not following the news. It's
0: good news. There's nothing to worry about, Jeremy. Uh, and okay, so, and I, I, just real quick, I have this one theory about why they would send. Somebody so inexperienced to cover what is a really serious story. And you have to think about this. If you're a news director in this station, this is an opportunity for you to produce a segment that the nationals are going to pick up, right? So why do you send your most inexperienced, what seems to be your most inexperienced intern?
3: Yeah, cuz they didn't want to go. Right. Yeah, right. That's why there was no coverage of Ohio cuz none of them yeah, wanted to right. die. Like, eh, we're not going there. Well, so I have a Let theory. Let the citizen journalists take care of this. <laughs> Let them send the bloggers in. <laughs>
0: uh, I uh, my theory my theory is either A uh, they don't have anybody of any experience at this station, and that's just the state of news today, that they can't afford any real journalists to go cover what is clearly going to be the biggest story of their lifetimes in this area.
3: Yeah, that's likely
0: it's uh, likely the case. Well, there's another possibility. If you don't want the story to go national, you'll send somebody who's going to produce a package that is un- that they won't carry.
3: That's another uh, interesting way to look at it. And this is clearly a story that they
0: didn't really want out there. There's not a lot of, I I was unable to find much national coverage on it.
3: I wouldn't want it out there either that all of a sudden there was a Ukrainian leak. (laughs) Because think of what that's going to do to the war effort in Ukraine. Well, but I would like some
0: explanation as to what started the fire in this incredibly sensitive facility.
3: Not Chinese laser. (laughs) Well, there you go. Now bring us back down for a landing. There. I'm glad you got that
0: in. Right? Nobody would have understood the show title. We would have had to come up with a new show title.
3: Yeah. No, it was it was it was good to get that in there cuz uh, I didn't even hear about Ukrainium.
0: Ukrainium. That's nothing now to worry about. Everybody it's good
3: news. Yeah, now when somebody tells me we have to support Ukraine in the war, I'm going to say, did you hear that they started a fire with Ukrainium? Ukrainium sounds like a headache medicine. Sounds like some kind of board game or something. Try Ukrainium. Take two Ukrainium in the morning.
0: Well, make sure you tune back in on Tuesday. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Thank you to all of our producers, and thank you for listening to the Truth Bait Podcast.
3: That was three contributors today. That's a record. You had uh, Anonymous, Major English Master Mike, and, and Janice, Janice. Yes. Thank you to everyone. More yeah. the merrier. Only episode two and momentum has begun. The community is building. At this rate, by episode 300, we'll have 301. That's
0: going to be a lot of notes to read on air.
3: (laughs) The entire episode is just going to be reading notes. Well, at that point, people are going to have to pay money to have their comments read. Uh, Unless you're sending a story. We'll always read that. Yeah, that was a good idea I just came up with. That was a good
0: idea. All right. Well, now I feel like we're talking so much. I don't know how we say goodbye again. Just that we have landed. We have landed. Now, I don't know how I feel about my my end line. And now, back to the sea of clickbait with all of you.
3: I like it. All right, good. We'll stick with that.
0: All right. Thank you, Jeremy.
3: Very good. Thank you, Mr. Marcus.
0: Take care.